0: What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me for the first time in a long time, my pal and yours, Jesse Severe of the Fantasy Hockey Life Podcast. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing on this fine, fine Tuesday, Thursday even, Thursday evening, closer to the weekend. <laughs>
1: Hey, hey, Ben, I'm doing great, man. I'm trying to keep above zero down here in Wisconsin. I can't even imagine Canada at this point.
0: It's uh, covered in snow. As I, like, we're like stereotypical <laughs> Canada, and we haven't been stereotypical Canada for a while. So it's kind of, I don't mind it.
1: All right. Well, we're quickly moving to the too cold, the to snow category. That's never where you want to be.
0: That's a good point. And uh, as the listeners know, and as you know, Jesse, this is the show that we try and jam as much hockey talk and headlines and fantasy hockey updates as we can into as short of a shift as we can possibly do. So let's get into the topics. And I actually wanted to start not with a team, not with a player, but I wanted to talk about a subject we teased on our last show, which is the nhl 's massive new announcement of a uh, an updated schedule, including about a hundred rescheduled games due to covid postponements through the first three months four months of the of the league season, mostly added throughout February when the Olympic break was expected to fall, of course, NHL teams no longer heading to the Olympics in February. Um, instead, what we're seeing is a ton of games scheduled, pushed into the month of February, uh, clearly leaning towards teams that were that missed out on games earlier in the season. We're seeing a ton of games for Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto. Uh, the Islanders have a bunch of new games in there, and... I wanted to talk about this because, you know, Jesse, like in a usual season, you're going to see teams uh, at this point of the year, there starts to be a bit of a games play disparity. So you start to look at teams that have more games left in their schedule as potential trade targets. And I think that this year, more than ever, we're seeing a larger disparity. And I'm noticing that this is creating some uh, some some fantasy opportunity i guess for those who are looking to buy so jesse i'm going to run through a couple of teams that have a massive jump in their in their games played through the rest of the fantasy regular season and then i'm going to throw it to you to talk to us about the fantasy hockey playoffs for those who want to look ahead um first of all do you have any sort of like overarching thoughts when when you saw this update anything about the schedule change that that bears mentioning
1: Well, I don't think we've ever seen this big of a spread in total games left to go at this point in the season as, as we do this year. And so you really, I mean, normally you're talking about nickel and dime of a couple little things different this year, there's a huge spread. So this is really one that you need to pay attention to, or you're going to really, uh, you're going to lose some mathematical advantages. we get to the end of the season.
0: That's exactly right. And I think that, um, yeah, you're, you're right. It's like, usually we'll see like a five, maybe six game play disparity from the top to the bottom of the league. At this point this year, there is like an 11 game disparity between the Islanders and Ottawa. If you look at the scheduler, you will see that the Ducks, Tampa Bay, Nashville, the Rangers, Washington, Vegas, San Jose, These teams have about 40 games or more played. There are a couple more around 39. Really, the whole league is kind of in this like high 30s to low 40s numbers. So a massive jump, massive disadvantage if you are stacked up on teams at the top. And you should be looking, I I think. We can both agree for the teams that have more games played. I wanted to go a bit deeper, though, because if you look ahead, there are also this year more than usual a lot of games that are falling outside of the fantasy schedule. This kind of happened at the end of last year. Folks may forget that due to some of the postponements, a ton of games ended up happening outside the fantasy season. So that's why I wanted to split it up. Where We're going to look at Yahoo's regular season. We're going to look at Yahoo's playoffs, starting with the regular season. And I think that the first thing I want to say is that there is a massive difference between leagues that are going to have uh, four separate matchups for the weeks of February, like those on fan Tracks and CBS Sports, and the Yahoo leagues, where we are going to see a three to four week, I, I guess a four week matchup uh, with, with what should have been the Olympic break, unless Yahoo has a massive change of heart. And there are some massive games play disparities just in that matchup. In particular, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Lightning Play Just six games in week 16. So I think that I want to say if you are a team who needs to win every game on their way through the rest of the regular season just to make the playoffs, then you might want to look at trading away some of your Tampa Bay Lightning players ahead of that that four-week matchup. And teams that you may want to target – uh, I'm looking in particular in at Canadian teams here cuz Edmonton has 13 games um, more than double the amount of games that Tampa Bay has. Uh Ottawa has 13 games, Toronto 12, Columbus and Calgary both with 11 and then a ton of teams at 10. So Lewis, I'm going to I'm going to pause here for a second and I guess just I want to look at those two teams at the top and at the bottom. Uh I'm going to I'm going to say Ottawa and Tampa Bay. You know, a player like Brady Kachuk has been underachieving so far. It's it's been a rough start. He's been a little cold lately. I guess I'm wondering if you were if you were holding on to a Tampa Bay Lightning player, not named Nikita Kucherov, who I think has been so good, he he'll be fine in those six games, uh, probably about as good as any other player in the league over twelve. But like let's look at a player like Braden Point or a player player like Steven Stamkos. Would you swap Steven Stamkos for Brady Kachuk? Uh and, and I'll give you the full season scope here. Not only does he get an extra seven games in the week 16 matchup, but Brady Kachuk over the rest of the season, 10 extra games over Steven Stamkos. What do you think? I think that's definitely a
1: sale that you could convince me of uh, to, to try to make, uh, to try to uh, make that change, even though I, I think it's a, a slight, a, it's really a lateral move. Everybody knows how much I love Brady Kachuk and Stephen Stamkos. Brady would have gone ahead of him, I think, it, it straight up in an even uh, updraft at the beginning of the season. But, you know, the other element of this, uh, Ben, that you bring up, there's kind of two sides of this. One of them is you can say Ottawa's got 10 more games left. The other is you can say seven of those games come in that one matchup. So if you're liking a and trying to win every week matchup, almost all of that goodness is being squeezed into one week after that week. And through the last weeks of the season that count Ottawa and Tampa, like have the same number of games. So once you get past that all of February matchup, these teams differences are evened out. I mean, it's, it's so hard to tell. So You know, going in all uh, all in on that, you will help to have a super advantage for that one ginormous matchup. And by the way, make that you know those pickups before that month where you can only make four ads or whatever like that. But uh, yeah, it it, it's worth it if you are to the point, like you said, where every single win is going to count for a ton.
0: Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And probably there are teams that are going to need that week 16 win much more than others. I'm thinking of my team in the Cupful, where we're trying to, you know, I'm 3 and 0 with Nikita Kucherov in the lineup. I'm trying to get back up into the playoff contention, uh but I'm I'm going to need that week 16 matchup and uh no, I am not going to trade Nikita Kucherov in that in that league, because uh, I don't care about the six-game schedule. He is going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, players like Brady Kachuk, players like Drake Batherson, players like Josh Norris. Very interesting if you're able to get them for cheap. Um, why don't we jump ahead, though? Let's look into the playoff schedule here, Jesse, which which you took a look at for us. Playoff
1: schedule gets interesting once again, because there's only two teams that have three straight Four game weeks. And that's in the format uh, that we're planning in. couple where it's weeks 21 through 23 that are the playoff weeks. Those are, believe it or not, the St. Louis Blues and the Buffalo Sabres. None of those Canadian teams, because a lot of those Canadian rescheduled games are hitting in that week 16, in that break that's coming there. So that's where you really see those things swell up. So those are two teams that you definitely want to look at. But you also want to be thinking about the quality starts in those weeks. And then, I mean, St. Louis, actually six of their 12 starts are quality. And uh, Winnipeg has uh, Winnipeg additionally has seven. So there's a couple of the teams that you would be looking at uh, extremely strongly Uh, on the flip side of that. New Jersey, zero quality games, Uh, not only for the playoffs, but only two in the three weeks preceding the playoffs. So New Jersey, man, uh, unless you got a star from one of those teams, just uh, don't don't count on them to be able to make up those off night games from now until the end of the season.
0: When you talk about a quality game, Jesse, can you tell me what you mean by that?
1: I'm looking at the off night games per Yahoo week in the uh, I guess this is some kind of cupful tool that's out there, right? Um, where, do, where did we get this sheet from, Ben?
0: I found this sheet on Reddit and it's basically a uh, yeah, it's a, it's a scheduling sheet. It just breaks it down by games per Yahoo week and then an, there's an off night games per Yahoo week. Yeah. Tabs and
1: well. it, it counts as fewer than half the game teams
0: playing games on those nights. So it's going to be uh So, oh, so you're looking just at the off nights when you say quality yeah, games. Yeah. I I'm understand. talking, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm talking
1: about the off night games uh, because, you know, those are going to be critical for streamers. Um, I'm channeling uh, our buddy Dave Benton here. Uh, Cousin Dave, I believe yes, is called absolutely. in these quarters uh, because those are the types of things I already want to be thinking ahead about.
0: That's a great point. So uh, I think looking at San Jose St. Louis, uh, looking at Buffalo, those are two teams that I'm definitely wanting to target ahead of the fantasy playoffs. Any names that stand out to you as possible targets there?
1: Boy, Buffalo is so hard to read because they had a few guys who, who came up early in the season. You know, with that many quality games, let, let's face it, what you are going to be looking at most likely at the end of the season is going to be the streamers on those two teams. And they're streamers that you're going to want to come into the playoffs with Uh, for those first matchups if you have them. Because, uh, again, seven of those off-night games for St. Louis, six for Buffalo over the course of the playoffs. So, you know, in in a lot of ways... We're still talking about the stars. And then when we get to those last couple of weeks, we're talking about bringing into, you know, Dylan Cousins, Tage Thompson's of the world and seeing what what kind of magic you can make happen on a short term basis or what injury frees up some great power play time for somebody. And I know there's one guy that we're going to talk about this episode who also might be on my list for that.
0: That's right, Jesse, and we are going to chat about a few more players, get into our usual headlines when we come back from a quick commercial break. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Jesse, we are moving into the second half of our program, and we have a few headlines that I want to kind of breeze through here and a few players that I want to dig deep on. I guess let's start with some of these injuries and outjuries that we're talking about. First of all, Nikolai Ehlers is now out for two games thanks to a knee-on-knee check from Dmitry Orlov. Orlov's banned for two games for the infraction – The Jets have added Ehlers to their injured reserve list. They seem to expect he'll miss the short term at the very least, if you're listening to sort of the way that they've been talking about this injury. Uh, In the meantime, it looks like Paul Stasny will get first crack at that spot, and the Jets have an interesting schedule rest of the week. It's Thursday night as we record this, so nobody's going to hear this in time to get Stasny in for tonight, but they do play again They play three times in the next four nights, including a back-to-back this weekend, one of the very few Saturday-Sunday schedules in the league. I wish I could recommend Stasny wholeheartedly, but things could change again because Blake Wheeler does appear to be coming back to the lineup this weekend. So Stasny may get bumped very quickly, but I guess I'm wondering, Jesse, does Stasny stand out to you as a streamer? He's also recently back from the IR list.
1: Man, Stastny just doesn't stand out for me in any particular way,
0: <laughs> except except as a sore
1: thumb on my roster that always irritates me a little bit in Dynasty. Um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's a fine flyer if you really need to take somebody. Personally, the guy who excites me in that Winnipeg Jets lineup who scored his first goal the other night against my Washington Capitals was Cole Perfetti. Uh, he also, uh, Perfetti that is, got uh, a lot of good playing time that first night uh playing with uh playing with likes of Kyle Connor and Pierre uh Pierre-Luc Dubois so I'd, I'd really like to see that going forward a, a little bit here in the near future but uh yeah I mean Paul Stastny you know what he is he's always there and if he does get that time uh don't expect great production but at least decent context
0: that's a great point, and and I think I would, you know, just looking at even strength lines, I agree that that Perfetti looks more interesting than uh, than Stasny to me. But I will say that uh, if Stasny ends up on the top power play, as they sometimes have him up there, I could see I could see riding him for the weekend at least. Perfetti, I agree. Actually, that's a that's a great uh, recommendation. Um, while we mentioned the Washington Capitals, I kind of wanted to get your opinion while you're on the show, Jesse. You are a uh, our resident. Washington Capitals fan, I guess, <laughs> around these parts. And I wanted to ask you about Vitek Vanacek, a player I streamed in today after I read that Coach LaViolette was playing him tonight against Boston. Real opportunity for this one to blow up before even the show is released, but let's see what happens. And LaViolette said that this is a chance for Vitek to find consistency and take the reins. I guess I'm wondering, like, A, what's going on with Ilya Samsonov, and B, do you think that uh, Vanacek can kind of make a play and and turn into a starter on this team
1: well as i like to say VTech Vanichek, give a dog a bone that's my uh that's my favorite uh, call out for mr Vanichek. he does seem to have taken the reins on this team uh i i he, he has outplayed samsonov so far this year you are right he has already given up a goal In the first half of the first period (laughs) tonight against the Bruins, that's all right. David Pasternak, there's no shame in giving up a goal to that guy. Yeah, Vanecek was supposed to be the afterthought coming back into this year. The guy that they gave up in the expansion draft and picked up through a kind of a scrub trade. But it's darn good thing they got him back because Samsonov has not looked the part.
0: And so I, yeah, I just am surprised because I know that Samsonov was supposed to be like the guy and the, you know, the three Russian goalies come over, uh, Shostyorkin, Sorokin, and Samsonov. And Samsonov's been the slowest to kind of put put it together in the NHL.
1: Yeah, uh, Samsonov had his first year was very good when he played just a little bit. Second year, multiple stints on the COVID list. And then this year, who the heck knows what's going on? And you look at that. Uh, 19 games started this year, 13 wins, 14 losses, and three, uh, overtime losses, which basically is identical to last year and very similar, if not a better percentage record than his first year, but a nine Oh three save percentage. And if you go through and actually look at those 13 so-called wins, I guess they're not so-called they were real wins. Um, I went through, uh, because I'm, I, I hate myself and I looked at each one of them to figure out. How many games he had saved more than, uh, more than 23 shots, 30 is about the average that an NHL goaltender should face in a game, and had an above league average save percentage for that game, which is 908 is the NHL save percentage. There were three. Three games that he did that, and they weren't even all wins. The Capitals have really buoyed him through their strong start to the year, which seems to be fading now with the health. So Samsonov is a problem. His surface stats still look pretty nice there. Uh, If you want to go just to the straight quality start percentage on Hockey Reference, it's 368. That is just horrendous uh, for quality start percentage. So you can't trust Samsonov right now. And I think the Capitals are saying the same thing by trying to give Vanna as much run as they can
0: all right jesse it's It's nice to have that Washington insider perspective from you um, <laughs> let's let's go over to some oucheries, talk about some good news, I guess, and uh This is a a nice little um a nice little topic for you to be on for because your show with Victor Nuno at the Fantasy Hockey Life, wonderful prospect analysis. So let's talk about Quentin Byfield, who is back up with the Kings, slated to start tonight, just his seventh NHL game. Uh I read that he had a slow start to the AHL return this year after nursing a broken ankle and returning from the COVID-19 list. I guess I'd love to hear your perspective, Jesse, in one-year leagues. Should people get excited about Quinton Byfield? I know, you know, keeper leagues, you should be all over him. But what's your hype level for Quinton?
1: Well, I know, uh, yeah, my partner, Victor Nuno, thinks of Byfield as maybe the number one prospect who came out in the year that he did. And certainly there is a lot of positivity ahead of him, whether he's – I don't know that he's going to be a tide turner in your leagues this year. I probably would pick him up in something reasonably deep, like the cupful as somebody that I would take a chance on here for a little while, but playing that center position and with a sort of mediocre offensive situation in LA, I'm not thinking he's going to turn the tide, but Hey, you could have a uh, much less fun, uh, other ways than by picking up Quentin Byfield and, uh, you know, just kind of betting on the
0: rookie. Cause he's going to be special in the long run. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Jesse, we just have a couple of streaks to get into before we finish up, and uh, you kind of alluded to this player a bit earlier. It's a player in Buffalo and somebody who is still fairly widely available in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, Alex Tuck has been absolutely fantastic for the Sabres since returning from injury on a bit of a hot streak here with seven points in seven games since returning, getting primo deploymento on those Sabres, top line, top power play, adding a hit and two or three shots per game. Uh, those percentages are high. The underlyings his on ice shooting percentage, his uh, his IPP. He, he's definitely outperforming what I, I think we should be expecting. I don't I don't see him as an 80 point per game guy. But could he be a 60, 65 point guy? That seems fairly reasonable to me. I, I kind of think of him as someone who could be. Kind of what Victor Arvidsson is in his strong stretches, though probably fewer shots, but better hits to kind of make up for that lack of shooting.
1: I think that's totally fair. Yeah, Tuck is uh, he's finally getting to play in his hometown region. Once again, uh, up there with Buffalo, he wants to be up there. You know, uh, maybe some people think of him still as kind of a prospecty type guy. I don't know what the perception is. Ah, uh, he's not. He's 25 years old. He should be in his prime. It's just that he's not been able to play as uh, you know consistently because he gets hurt a lot, and he was kind of pushed down a little bit in that Vegas situation. But yeah, I mean, all all year, I think we've been waiting for some people to rise up a little bit on the Buffalo Sabers because you know we've had our T.J. and Dylan Cousins, but. Jeff Skinner and Victor Olison have kind of left me wanting anyway. So maybe Alex Tuck will be able to make a difference on that power play and give Buffalo fans something a little bit to hope for. And like you said, with uh, six quality games, 12 total starts in your three-week playoff, he is totally a guy that you want to be uh, riding into the last month of the season with if you can.
0: Yeah, I think Tuck was a kind of a victim of his own talent in in Vegas where he's just he can drive a line on his own. He can, you can throw him on a, on line three and he'll go out there and, and provide you really quality minutes on a line that would otherwise be stagnant without him on the ice. Uh, throw him on a team like, uh, Buffalo, though, where he's not behind, you know, Mark Stone and, uh, some of the better wingers in the league. And all of a sudden you're giving him top line, top power play minutes. It, it, I'm very interested to see what he can do. So yeah, I, I see Tuck as somebody who should probably be rostered in, in, All 12-team leagues and 14-team leagues. Uh, Certainly 14-team leagues. Probably at least bangers leagues uh, that are any shallower. Uh, Looking at his rostership percentage, only 24% rostered. Still behind guys like Yessi Pulya-Yarvi, Jakub Voracek, Jeff Carter, Ryan Johansson, Alex Radulov, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Hornquist. The list, unfortunately, does drag on. I had to stop there. I would drop all those guys for for Alex Tuck at this point. Does that seem reasonable to you?
1: Oh boy. You named some decent names there, but I certainly think Alex Tuck would be competitive with all the guys that you're talking about. And especially with the premium position that you're going to get with him. Um, I, I, I definitely like to be able to see that, that uh, left right winger eligibility that you're going to get on Yahoo with him gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of options for those weeks when you do have those flexible rosters and uh, multiple off-night games with Alex Tuck. So, yeah, man, why not? Let's believe in it. YOLO, it, the Alex Tuckening has come.
0: <laughs> I Yeah, I think, like, Puglia, Yarvi, and Carter, I can see an argument. Uh, personally, I think with Carter's new deployment, I, I, I lean Tuck, and Puglia, Yarvi, just hasn't shown me that he can be somebody who drives drives his own numbers so that you can rely on uh, for a full season. But I will add, though, that just on the topic of Buffalo, this does seem to come at the detriment of Victor Olofsson, who is now ice cold, no points in his last five. Five points over his last 15, and now getting second power play minutes, which to me is the point of having Victor Olofsson is to put him on that right circle, and or the, the opposite OV side, uh, the left circle, fires a mean shot uh, when the puck movement is doing well, and he doesn't really drive play at even strength. So I don't really understand it, but Victor Olofsson down on second power play, probably a drop in all, but the deepest dynasty formats at this point. Um, I don't think that's very controversial, Jesse. Am I? Am I? Am I freaking you out with that take?
1: Well, I mean, no. Uh, I I guess I've never been as high of a believer on Olofsson as many others have because it's kind of a late breakout uh, when he came into the NHL. Uh, I think somebody probably could go up to the key bank center and tell them they're allowed to have two offensively talented people at the same time on their team. Um, So you, theoretically, they should be able to coexist, but you're right for some of the play reasons that you're talking about. uh, There could be a bit of redundancy between the two. So yeah, uh, Victor Olofsson is not somebody that I'm necessarily targeting, but again, again, uh, we don't know what's going to happen late in the season. We don't know how hard Buffalo is going to be playing vis-a-vis other teams that may be fully in the tank by then. And maybe Olafson is a guy that you're going to want to hold on to for that stretch run if he's able to
0: provide even modest production. And looking at uh, an Anaheim Ducks player, Trevor Zegras, fairly, fairly cold since returning from the COVID list. Just four points in his last six, but all four of those points coming in only two games. So we're seeing four pointless games in his last six Contrast that to prior to hitting the uh, the IR, Zegras was coming off a stretch where he had put up twenty points in seventeen games. We did receive a question on Twitter at shortshiftkk from a manager who has Tyler Toffoli on the IR. Toffoli back with a point and a, a goal and an assist last night in his first game back in action uh, for Montreal, uh, asking us if we would drop Zegras or Travis Konechny to bring Toffoli off of the IR list. Uh, so I guess basically, if you could, you can keep two of these three, would you drop either Zegras or Konechny, cold Zegras, and I guess suddenly somewhat resurgent Travis Konechny in Philadelphia?
1: Uh, uh, it, it's it's incredibly rough. I am not sure. At this point, Tyler Toffoli was so excellent last year, but Montreal is just such hot garbage at this point. Uh, they're the lowest scoring team in the National Hockey League, and it's by a tenth of a goal. Uh, and yeah, they're doing a lot of that without Tyler to Foley, but I, I cannot bring myself to drop Trevor Zegris He's still playing with Getzloff and Raquel, uh, on some top deployment. And I do think that there's going to be a resurgence. He's a rookie. There's going to be inconsistency, but I think that, uh, he could heat right back up. And I don't want to be the guy who watches my biggest rival, pick him up off the waiver wire and destroy me after I gave up on him this week.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair i think if there's one thing i'm taking from this stretch is just that like okay probably point per game trevor Zegris has not arrived in the nhl like over a full season there are going to be some some valleys i guess it's not all peaks um But I I do agree that he's probably already worth holding on to through his cold stretches, which is not what I expected to be saying preseason. So I am very happy to see how well he's been doing, and I'm hoping that he can get back to his pre-COVID form shortly.
1: I will say, just to throw cold water back on myself, uh, that Anaheim (laughs) is one of those teams that doesn't have many games left relative to the others. 35 games left in the season uh, is the second lowest to the Tampa Bay Lightning so uh, While Montreal really doesn't have that many more either, uh, Anaheim is not necessarily a team that's going to be flush with starts for here on out to the rest of the season. Uh, Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia is really not that much better, so it's, it's kind of pick your poison. I don't think that's necessarily going to turn the tide from you uh, on, on any of these three players, but Trevor Zegres, I think, is going to have a resurgence, but probably won't be as dominant as players from some of these other teams.
0: I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Jesse, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining me tonight and for answering all of my probing questions on fantasy hockey. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can find your work? Well,
1: you should uh, hook up with us at Fan Hockey Life is my Twitter address. You can... Uh, you can uh, hit me there uh, in the fantasy hockey life at gmail.com is the way you can email Victor and I Uh, you can join our discord as well just hit us up and let us know but I always love being here with you Ben it's uh, been a great time
0: thank you so much for joining us and uh, hopefully we have you back on the show soon Uh, and thank you all of our listeners for listening tonight, be sure to give us a follow at Shortshift KK join Brian and Elon on Twitter at keeping Carlson and Dave Benton of the stream scheme at NHL stream scheme. I'd recommend you all follow at game day lines at game day goalies and at game day news for all of your latest breaking fantasy hockey updates. And you can always visit the websites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, frozen tools, natural stat trick and Kakupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep those shifts short.